This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. In Dr. Tiffany Tate's book, Lily and Linda, two little sisters want to make every adult happy. It was just their mother and them living alone. During the time, their mother had a new boyfriend. He helped take care of them. At first, he was nice, but then he changed. It took Lily and Linda some time to realize that making everyone happy isn't always the best thing if it hurts them. Identifying abusive situations and providing directions for seeking help and reporting abuse are some of the goals of Dr. Tiffany's work. Valeria interviews Dr. Tiffany Tate. She is the author of Bad Touching. Originally from Compton, California, Tiffany Tate, MD, is a Christian mother, servant, listener, and medical doctor who now resides in the Inland Empire. Her interest in becoming a physician began when she was in middle school while volunteering with her church to help the homeless in Los Angeles. She saw people who were both hungry and sick. She wanted to do more than serve food. She wanted to help them in a meaningful way. With a love for science and math, she applied herself fully in school. This was not easy as she had many distractions. Both of her biological parents struggled with drug addiction. And while she never met her father, She heard he was homeless and often wondered whether her father was one of the homeless she and her church were helping. With the loving support of her maternal family and specifically her maternal aunt, known as Momti, Tiffany received the love, support, and stability she needed to thrive. Dr. Tate earned a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of California at Santa Barbara and a medical doctorate degree from Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. After serving as a medical officer in the United States Navy during the Global War on Terror, she completed her residency in obstetrics and gynecology at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. She practiced in Tennessee and California before sustaining a life-altering injury. Dr. Tate has served as a volunteer within the local community, in churches and with her sorority, given lectures to family practice residents and in numerous places where she has lived. She began writing poems as an outlet after she was medically retired following six surgeries over two years following an injury. She wrote her first book, Flow Try, a collection of 108 poetic flows on life, love, and liturgical issues to help encourage and uplift herself and others. Bad Touching is her second book, but her first children's book. In the fall, her third book, second children's book, titled Little Engine Mia Sings, Addressing Bullying, will be published. She has two spectacular children in college, Nathaniel and Mia, and Dr. Tate enjoys singing, traveling, and spending time with family and friends. Meet Dr. Tiffany at Instagram at Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore or Facebook or Facebook. 
facebook.com backslash Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore backslash. Here's the interview with Dr. Tiffany Tate. In your own words, who is Tiffany Tate? (laughs) Well, Tiffany Tate is an individual who longs to make the world a better place. I am a child of God who just wants to do my part and contribute to the world. And I think everyone can do their part. Mm. Yes, that's a beautiful calling, a beautiful awareness to have and courage too, to answer that call. So thank you for being you. Before we talk about your book, your second book, Bad Touching, which your first book, it's called Floor Tree, which is, to me, it's kind of opened my heart when I saw the title and what it's about, poetry and flowing with life, love. So it's not a subject for today's conversation, but it's something that opened my heart. So, you know, of course, along with the topic from bed touching too, because it has to do with awareness. And deep, tough conversations we often don't want to have. So let's see. I have to ask you this question first. As a Christian, how do you make sense of the suffering in the world? Why do people hurt people? I believe hurt people hurt people. Mm. When people are hurting inside, they often lash out because they don't know how to deal with their pain. And in my first book, Flowetry, a collection of 108 poetic flows on life, love, and liturgical issues, I call that my third baby. I'm a mother of two children. And that book came out of my pain. Because when I was retired early, I did not want to be retired. I went into a depression and I began to question God and my existence. And I began to write write to myself to encourage myself. And I started to write in the memo section of my iPhone. And I ended up with a collection of poems. And I showed it to a few of my friends and it ended up becoming a book and it served as encouragement. So I was able to take my pain and turn it into something positive. But a lot of people don't know how to channel that negative energy and channel it into something good to help people. And a lot of times they lash out. And I think a lot of times we need to stop take a beat, take a breath, pray, and learn to push, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. Yes. So that makes me wonder if spirituality is really what we need. Would you say that spirituality could come before healing? We need more spirituality or healing can lead us to spiritual, deep spiritual understandings? I believe spirituality is critical for healing because they go hand in hand. Uh, That is my opinion too, I have to say. 
Yes, that has been my path, spirituality, trying to understand what this is all about, or this is, which we call life. Why do we suffer? Why do children suffer? That never made sense to me because what could children have done wrong to go through what they go through? So I know you mentioned pain. So that is untreated, unhealed pain. That makes a lot of sense to me. But what doesn't is that a lot of people are actually aware of that, that they are hurting. Why do you feel they don't take that first step into healing? What prevents them from healing themselves? Denial. You know, they, it's often said that denial is not just a river in Egypt. You know, denial is, <laughs> is real. Yeah. And it's something that we have to face. And you can't fix a problem unless you know it exists. And a lot of times we stuff. It's like that bottle. If you stuff things down, you continue to stuff things down inside of you until one day you shake it and it pops and it overflows and it spews out onto everything. And you don't want to be that bottle that pops and spews out anger or spews out hostility or spews out frustration or lash out at your, your best friend, or lash out at your mom, or lash out at your children. You want to overflow with love. You want to overflow with joy. You want to talk yourself into positivity. You want to talk yourself into happiness. You know, the Bible says, name it, claim it, believe it, and receive it. So out of the mouth flows the things of the heart. So you want to be careful about what you say, what you think, what you do, what you speak. And I think, you know, we have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. But we do more speaking than we do listening. Mm, that is so true. So, so true. That kind of makes me think about another question. Why do you think we deny? Why do we repress? Why do we suppress our own pain? Because reality is sometimes hard. Yeah. It's hard to face it. Yes. Yeah. So it's not easy. In trying to make it easy, it doesn't make it easy for anyone. The truth is, wow, Tiffany, how do we change this? I love the way you say that one book at a time, which a lot of people has said about making change, the way to change a reality, to change, let's say, society and certain systems. It's changing ourselves. Would you agree with that? I, I agree because even with my book, Bad Touching, it took me time. It is my story. And it was a way for me to heal because when I was abused as a child, I did not say anything. I did not report it. And I don't want children to have to do or endure what I did. I didn't say anything until I got into my forties. And guess what people, I'm still in my forties. And I said, okay, I thought about it. I prayed about it. How can I take my pain and make beauty from these ashes and help someone learn from what I had to deal with? So I turned bad touching into a story that can help educate and teach children to report and learn from what I didn't know. As a physician, I know things and I've experienced things and I've had patients endure certain things. So I know how to navigate the system and what are some safety nets 
that they can go to and endure to get the help that they need to report what they need because predators are predators no matter what age. Ah, yes, no matter what age. Would you say even gender as well, Tiffany, or this goes mostly for men? Oh, it bad touching applies to boys, it applies to girls, yeah. and it applies to men and women because right. the reality is is that anyone can be victimized. Yes, and that is so true. Talk to me about the main intention of writing the book, Bad Touching. Did you set an intention from the very beginning or that felt like a mission? My intention was for children to know what was wrong, what was right, who are safe people to report, because the premise of the story is that everyone isn't safe when you are in a situation that makes you uncomfortable, it's okay to tell because predators will manipulate the innocence of a child. And I don't know if you recall what happened with the Dalai Lama earlier this year. No, Do you recall that? I, that surprised me. And I have here actually as a question for you because I don't watch TV or read newspaper or anything like that. So I, I'm not aware of that. Well, you uh. can Google the YouTube and all the cameras were rolling, yeah. and the Dalai Lama had this, this innocent child come up to the stage, and in front of the cameras, he asks the child for a hug. The child gives him a hug. Then he asks the child for a kiss on the cheek. The child gives him a kiss on the cheek. Then he asks the child for a kiss on the lips. Oh. The child looks around. Oh. No one comes to save him. The child uh. gives him a kiss on the lips. Uh. Then he asks the child to suck his tongue. The child looks around and the child sucks his tongue. Now, uh, this came to light in April, but it happened the month before. And the Dalai Lama did not apologize uh, until it was broadcast on the news. Right. During Child Abuse Awareness Month. Right. Wow. The, yeah, I read this. That's the first time I hear this, actually, through you. I, I was reading it, the article you sent me. Uh, so this is really unfortunate because a lot of times we tend to think that authorities, that people with power, they are supposed to be there to, to help us, to save us, right? Religious leaders and politicians, police, and you name it. But the truth is, like you said, anyone can be a predator. Anyone could actually have, uh, maybe not using that word predator, it sounds very harsh, but it it has to no, be but said. That's what he was. That's what it is, that's, right? That's wow. exactly what he was. Wow. Because imagine if he's doing that in front of the camera. Mm. Imagine what he's doing with the cameras not rolling. And that's where my book, Bad Touching by Dr. Tiffany Tate, comes into play. It helps to teach children that when you are in a situation, even with someone who is in authority, yes. it's okay to speak up and say no. Yes. And it's okay to tell on that person even when they tell you not to tell. Right. And even when they try to threaten you, mm. those threats are not going to be carried out. Mm. Oh, my because they manipulate the innocence of your child. Yes. And you're not around to protect them. Yes. This is, I mean, saddens me that these things are still happening. And I know I'm not really in contact because I don't read, I don't have time really to read all those things. But uh, so I guess the question that comes to mind is, 
What makes someone safe? Would, would you say that the only way to feel safe is to protect ourselves and teach children to protect themselves when we are not around? Or have some guidelines for people that actually could be labeled as safe people? I believe the only way to protect your children is to have this conversation and to educate them. Because you would expect the Dalai Lama to be labeled as safe. And in the book, you have the mother's boyfriend who says he's going to help help the mom out because she is in love. And he's volunteering to help mom take care of the kids because they're in a relationship and he loves mom and mom loves him. So he's stepping into the role of potentially becoming their father. So you expect him to be safe until he crosses those boundaries and he's no longer safe. So the daughters, they don't know what to do because they don't want to break mom's heart because mom is in love with this new boyfriend, but they also want to protect themselves. So this book teaches them that, okay, you want to trust adults, but you also need to protect yourself. And the only way you can teach children is to teach them about bad touching. Education is the key. That's kind of like the nature of the Me Too movement. You had adults, you had grown women who did not feel comfortable telling. Yeah. So you have to start embedding this knowledge in children. Mm. so that they know it's okay to tell. Yes. So what happens, Tiffany, let's say with the psychology of somebody who has been abused, is that I have heard before, of course, about shame and guilt. So, and I have heard a lot of women say here on this podcast too, that they felt like they deserved it or they did something to deserve it, whatever happened. So was that your own experience as well? Yes, there is a lot of shame. There is a lot of guilt and it takes a lot to report it, which is why I never said anything until my 40s. And I will tell you that there was an incident in January of this year where I was assaulted in my acupuncturist's office and I had my clothes on. So I wasn't asking for it because I had my clothes on. And that made me want to publicize this book because at first when I wrote the book, I just put it out there and I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it there and leave it there. And I wasn't going to go and put on media advertisement. But after that incident, I was like, okay, I felt convicted. I was like, no, I have got to advertise it. And because of my abuse as a child, that motivated me to go on my media frenzy to get the message out because of my history as a child, I was more empowered to speak up. I did my police report. I filed my complaint. I went to the medical board and put a complaint against that person's license. And it did the exact opposite because of my experience as a child. So I felt more empowered to speak up because I think that person didn't realize who they were dealing with because I felt more empowered to speak Mm. up now. I felt angry that they felt that they had the right to do what they did to my body. Right. 
And this, would you like to mention the place, the specific, I was looking for the specific place that you went to because that would also prevent somebody from going there. Would you like to mention that here or this could be um, uh, not a good idea because legal? But I, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt the business yeah. because they fired that uh, person immediately. Oh, okay. So they, the business took all the, the proper steps and I don't yeah. want to want to affect the business. Right. Did you talk to the person who owns the business to be more, let's say, cautious or more restricted when it comes to hiring new people? Yes. And how do we, yeah, and how do we do that as a business? I think proper vetting. I don't think that they vetted the person adequately at all. Unfortunately, the owner happened to be away because their child had cancer. So I actually have compassion for the the owner and it, it, there's a whole lot of other dynamics that, that happen. So that's why I don't want to negatively affect the business. But they, once I reported it, they took immediate steps. The person was fired. Yeah, for now, that's enough, right? But hopefully that will create more awareness too within that business. So they are more yeah. vigilant in the sense of also having cameras. I know in certain places, probably massage therapy, you're not supposed to have cameras there. But that would be an idea. And another question for you is, you mentioned, this, those are some of the guided uh, questions you sent me. So I will kind of expand on that. The question that I'm asking, why is this an important topic right now at this moment in time? Do you actually think that this is happening more now than it happened before, let's say 10, 20, 30 years ago? I think that because of social media, we are more knowledgeable. I can't say it's happening more. It's probably happening about the same, but I think people are also thinking that they can get away with it more. When you have a former president who says you can grab him by the crotch and nothing happens to him and we elect him anyway and there's no repercussion for that, People feel empowered and other predators feel empowered. And so it's it's okay to do those things. I don't care what your politics are. It's about women's bodies and children's bodies. It's about public safety. And I think it's a matter of caring about people and loving people. And we just need to get back to caring for our fellow man and respecting our fellow man and just loving each other. Yes. And this is the message that I usually focus on, that we need more spirituality. We need to understand the essential nature of ourselves, which is one and the same, one reality. So it's fascinating to me that this has been ignored by most human beings. It's the fundamental truth that the essence of everything is one. If that is true, which it is, then that would change everything once you realize that. Because whatever you do to yourself, your own body, mind, and you're doing, let's say, to God. To me, that's how I see it. God is in disguise. It's everywhere. It's everywhere I see. That's one way that I kind of navigate this world, this reality. 
And also seeing that everything that I do to myself, if I hurt myself, I'm hurting the other. If I'm hurting the other, I'm hurting myself because this interconnectedness that's undeniable. But do you feel the same way? I know you're a Christian. is a little bit different, the concepts of how it all works spiritually. But does it resonate with you somehow, this message, Tiffany, that there's one essence, one substance for everything? Absolutely. And I believe that God works through everything and that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and according to his purpose. And even though I experienced what I experienced, my history of abuse that led me to write my book, Bad Touching, my retirement that led me to write my first book, Flowetry. I believe that everything brought me here to this point. And like I said, I'm even working on a third book called Little Engineer Things to teach children about bullying. I want to make the world better one book at a time. And I believe that everyone has a calling we just need to figure out what it is and we can all contribute to the world and make it a better place. Mm, yes. That's another beautiful message about unique purposes and, and mission in that sense of it's almost like a, a destiny being fulfilled because it is, that's how I feel too, that there is something here, which I call consciousness. And before I used to kind of get away from the word God because there was so much misunderstandings, especially when, uh, when I heard that God was something out there aside from me, something besides me. It never really resonated. It's almost like I knew that God was here, here now. If God exists, it's here. It's not there. When I die, I will meet God. It's, it's right here, right now. So and that's why I keep going back to the message of interconnectedness and that everything is love. Only God exists. Only love exists. There's nothing else. So that's to me, Tiffany, once I think if everyone understood that, realized that truth, then everything would change. All systems would collapse, really. The systems that are based on separation on division, they would have to collapse. They couldn't remain there. But I love the way you keep saying that, one book at a time. So one person at a time, that's how we get there. I know it feels like it's still a long ways away seeing what's happening. I was not aware about the Dalai Lama, and I was a student of Buddhism for a while, Zen Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, but then now I found a difference tradition, spiritual tradition, it's Vedanta, that it's very impersonal in a sense, but very personal at the same time. And it gives me more of this direct view on or understanding of what this reality is. So with that in mind, still speaking about spirituality, this is something that you also teach to your children to be more aware of their own inner reality in the world spiritual world in that sense of interconnectedness with everything? I, I do. I try to teach them overall, number one, to be good people 
and to be loving and to be caring and to be, you know, and to share. I try to teach them that, especially in this me and the selfie society, because that's what we have. Right. We have a me and a selfie society. I try to teach them to be more selfless. And while it is important to make sure that your needs are met, but I try to teach them that it's more important to meet the needs of others. And I, I was not raised in the church. My aunt, my mother's sister raised me. Both of my parents were addicted to drugs and my aunt raised me from the age of two. And so my upbringing was a very challenging one to say the least. So it was, it was very different. So for my children to be raised in a two parent household, was a blessing to be raised with both their parents. So I always try to teach them the difference and the contrast from my upbringing and their upbringing to to teach them how blessed they are. Because I grew up in the inner city of Los Angeles and basically they grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I try to make them them appreciate (laughs) what they have. And so I, I definitely teach them about the interconnectedness and I, I raised them essentially in the church. So they're very aware of their spirituality. They're very aware of, of God. And I try to make sure that, that they know that they are not alone. And no matter what, to always give back to the community. Yes, that's a beautiful legacy to pass on of gratitude. And that's, it is a spiritual practice to me. It really feels that way. So going back to the topic, the main topic, a message in bed touching your book, your second book, is I guess a, a question that I had here, I have to ask you, what is, um, how do we teach children and women in general, how do we teach people around us to learn to recognize appropriate and inappropriate physical contact. And does it include also language in conversations, what's being said? I believe with my book, Bad Touching, it broaches what makes you physically uncomfortable. And like a hug from a difference between a hug from grandma versus touching your genitalia versus being washed. And I think when you begin to have the conversation, some parents may feel uncomfortable having the conversation. That's where the book, my book comes in because it is a catalyst for those uncomfortable conversations. And I've had parents just give the book to their children or their grandchildren or their nieces or their nephews, and they go and they read the book. Some kids are fine and they don't have any questions. Or some kids will come back and be like, oh, this is what I thought about it. This made them sad. This made them happy because they go to school and they have the assembly And they understand what made them sad and what made them happy and and how they approached it. And I believe that when you sit down and you educate your children, your nieces, your grandchildren, 
that is going to be the only way to do this. In my book, Bad Touching, the boyfriend, he essentially scolds the children and he threatens the children. Of course, they are empty threats, but the children don't know this. So they're tight-lipped and they don't want to say anything until they go to school and get educated that, oh, he really can't carry these threats out. These are fake threats, so it's okay to tell. So they learn these things. But if you don't know that they're being abused and you don't know that they're being threatened, how can you teach them? How can you tell them? So you have to have the conversations with these kids, with your family, preemptively, or you'll never know. Mm. Yes. So conversation. So the book, it's really a conversation starter in, in that sense. It will really get these uncomfortable conversations to happen more. And it surprises me because it's, um, I'm very open to conversations of all kinds and I'm very curious. So it surprises me that some people, they hold back on, on those things, that they don't talk about certain things with their children or even their husbands or people around their family. It really surprises me, Tiffany, that that doesn't happen in all kinds of conversations. But this is wonderful to know that you have this as a tool so to get the conversation started on this topic. And it's beautiful work, though. Thank you again for doing what you do. It's a beautiful calling. I wanted to make a comment about uh, an interview I had. It was, uh, I think it was two to three years ago with somebody who was abused as a child. She became a psychologist and she specializes in uh, sexually abused children, healing them emotionally, psychologically. And I remember asking her the question, like, how do we prevent this from happening, you know, in our own families? And why does it happen in, in our families in the first place? And she said something that um, I was not aware of at the time. She said, it's because we, we tend to, as you said, deny, kind of overlook some signs of unsafe people they, they display. And uh, we actually give our children the, the opportunity to be assaulted in a way by asking them to be nice, to get closer to, let's say, men in the family, asking them to go hug the, the uncle or the cousin go kiss him, say hello to him by kissing him. So, and that happens a lot. And then I was kind of looking at my own family because I have a nephew. My sister has a little boy. And I see that that was happening in my own family. At the same time as uh, I was talking to her, actually, during that interview. So that really paused me for a while. And of course, I talked to my family about that. But nobody listened, really. They carried on with the same habits. That's why I feel almost like um, we are doing all this work, but I don't know how we can get people to listen and to really apply this, this knowledge that's very clear. We don't ask children to, be, uh, to get closer to other people. They know. They're very intuitive. We, we are not trusting our own children in a way. Would you agree Tiffany, in, in a way, I would love to hear from you on this. I agree wholeheartedly. And I believe that 
if a child comes to you and says, I don't want to go or I don't want to do that, don't force them. And if they say, say, if you give them the book Bad Touching and they say, I want to talk to you because such and such, uncle such and such or auntie such and such made me feel uncomfortable, take the time and hear them out. Do not dismiss them because it takes a lot of courage for a child to come forward and say something. And if they say something, please get them the counseling. And if they say something, do not feel bad and do not feel guilty because it is not your fault. If you did not touch them inappropriately, you didn't do it. You didn't cause it just like they did not cause it. You will both benefit from counseling. Ah, yes. And that's another factor, yeah, that parents, they do feel guilty about it. Yeah, there's a lot of shame there too. What is not to love about the work of healing? and being open to it, and spirituality. And to me, spirituality comes before healing. It has provided a lot of my healing, too. So thank you so much again, Tiffany, for being you, for being open to life in this way. Thank you. You're very welcome. I just want to help as many people as possible because it is hard surviving abuse. And there can be a pattern because once you abuse. And if you don't get the counseling that you need to heal, you can end up in a pattern expecting that abuse is is okay uh, and being the recipient yes. of it. You may not perpetuate abuse, but you may let other people continue to abuse you. And you don't want that for your child. That is so true. It definitely has been my case being around unsafe people because that felt familiar to me as a child. So, yeah, that is another insightful and powerful message. Yes, to look for help, counseling and therapy or anything that can help, really. I love the idea of communicating. You actually said that. I think you wrote this in an article. Yeah, it's called, let me see, From Motherhood Moment, blogspot.com. You said, teach your children that they deserve to have their feelings and voices heard. They also deserve to have their bodies respected. So that's such a beautiful message. I mean, empowering. And we have to start this very early. And with that in mind, how early? I heard another interview that you gave, and I think you mentioned five, but the sooner the better, right, Tiffany? Absolutely. I say as soon as they start washing their genitalia, that's when you can start teaching them about their genitalia. And do you also include, in a sense, even conversations about, that's too early to talk about sex education, right? Would you say, or it's a good idea to already have those conversations in a very simple way, of course? Yes, it is. I would just keep it in as, as general as possible because they won't really conceptualize mm -hmm. sex. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yes, but, right. That has to do with love. <laughs> they will yes, be able to connect. But they can, <laughs> they can understand touching and putting things in different holes. So you could say, don't put this in this hole. Don't, have pe don't let people put things in this hole. Don't let people put their hands here or put their fingers there. Don't let people stick their tongues here. 
So you can be very general. Don't let people hurt you. If it feels uncomfortable, that that should not be nice. So in their language, age-appropriate language. Yeah, so keeping it simple. I like that. Is this the way you taught? I know that this book, when did you write the book, Tiffany? That touching, it's, it's recent, right? I don't have the publication date here. Yes, I just wrote it last year. It, it came out, I think, right in October, but it really hit the stands, I, was, I would say, in like December, January. Yes. What I'm trying to get at is, did you feel prepared? to educate your children in this sense when you were raising them? Were you healed, let's say, already then or doing the healing work in order to help your, your two daughters? I have a daughter and a son. Oh, yeah, son. Yes. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. It's okay. Yeah. And I was definitely teaching them in the process because, you know, I always say it's important to make sure that you protect your children, but you want to make sure that you don't protect them to the point where you end up going to jail in the process because your children need you. I must say Uh. that at that point, I was not healed enough to the point where I probably would not have gone to jail if somebody had touched them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right, I can imagine. I was still in the process Uh of healing. (laughs) Yes, yeah, gosh, aren't we all, right? Yeah, aren't we all in a way? Yes, yes, but I would definitely say that you want to make sure that you, that's why it's important to educate your children, because a lot of times we teach our children to be quiet, to be reserved, to respect mm. authority. This is the yes. one time that you want to teach your children. No, you yell, you scream, you bite, you mm. fight. You do not respect authority. There are certain situations where all respect goes out the window. Yes, right. That's self-protection. Absolutely. Right. I, you want other people to come around, come running and to help you out. And we don't teach our children that. We teach them to be compliant. That's true. And that's wow, why that's predators a, get away with it. Ah, uh, that's a very good point. Would you say that this goes even further for women? Absolutely. And that's what happened with the Me Too movement. Because a lot of times women freeze because you're in shock. You don't know what's happening mm-hmm. to you. You have an out-of-body experience. Right. Uh, gosh, Tiffany. Ah, what can I say? It's um, it's a challenge, isn't it? To to kind of recognize that this is, it's still happening. It feels to me almost like, aren't we evolved enough to, because technologically, look where we are. We have built so much. We have done so much. But when it comes to the human psychology, human emotional healing, emotional emotions and behaviors, it's, we, we, it feels like we're still like babies. <laughs> That's what it feels to me. We have not evolved um, enough to make the world a better place, as you say, as a human community, as a human family. But I believe we are getting there. We are making progress, aren't we? They say two steps forward and one <laughs> step back is still one <laughs> step in the right direction. <laughs> That's true. Yes, let's be optimistic. I'm always very positive about everything being very aware of everything too as well. But 
Thank you so much again. I have a few more questions for you, Tiffany, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid or perhaps questions I didn't ask or read a passage in your book? Okay. Alrighty. So from my book, Bad Touching, I will read, it said, they wanted to do something, but they did not know what to do. They did not know where to go for help or who to talk to. One day they went to an assembly at school. They learned about bad touching and that was really cool. The lady who came said that when someone touches your private parts or hurts you, this is not good. Lily and Linda felt she was speaking to them and they then understood. Mm, yes, that's the goal, isn't it? Of your work. Mm -hmm. So we, we can get children to this awareness yeah. and clarity. And I think that what makes my books different is that my books are written in a poetic nature to make it easily understood by the kids and the children. So it makes it an easy read. It makes it a fun read. And they enjoy reading it. Yes. It felt that way. I didn't read the entire book, but I have the pages and I went to Amazon to took a look too. And I noticed that how simple, direct, and truthful it is. It's very clear. So there's a lot of clarity there in a simple way. And yes, poetic way. So you're a beautiful writer. And that was my, one of my questions. You, How did you become a writer? But you, you actually answered that question before I asked. Well, what's funny is that when I, I always wanted to be a physician, I used to volunteer with my church mission. And when I used to see the people homeless on the street, I wanted to help them. And I thought about feeding them every day. And that's how I decided to become a doctor. But when I started college, I went to, I started as an English major and I met with my counselor and I said, I wanted to become a teacher to pay my way through medical school. And my counselor laughed in my face and said, oh, sweetie, teachers will never mm -hmm. make enough to pay their way through medical school. <laughs> he said, you just need to major in biology and become a doctor. And my professors and teachers always told me that I wrote really well, but I just kind of put that to the backside and went ahead and pursued medicine and joined the Navy and became a naval officer and practiced medicine. But when I ended up retiring, I went back to my first love of writing. It seems like we have different purposes at different times in life, right, Tiffany? Absolutely. But the underlying goal or calling to me, it feels like, it sounds like listening to you. It's really to heal. It's to heal others in a profound way. And, and, and pass that on, of course, expand that to the human family, to humanity. So it is a beautiful, beautiful purpose and mission. Thank you again for being you, for being open. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to share my story. It actually feels like a prayer. It's interesting every time I say that, because that's, that, is, that is a prayer. That's what, I, that's what my vision in my heart is all about, too. It's healing myself this mind-body complex, and then passing that on. With all that said, my ending questions to you, I have a few more questions so, that I usually end with. I'll ask you this one. Three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die. 
I wish that everyone will experience a love that takes their breath away, a joy that overflows their heart, and a happiness that just makes them overflow. Huh. Yes, um, I hear wisdom when I hear those words, those that vision, these ideas, because that that again sounds like very much to me, like the work of healing and spirituality. Thank you. And before we say goodbye for today, I wanted to say that I'm very, very appreciative for everything that you're doing, the way you're doing, because it really touches all of us. So we kind of um, awaken for parts of ourselves that are not aware of how we can hurt people. Because I do see that too, Tiffany, that we are in a way like multiplicity. There's something we're never fixed. There's always a thought, thoughts that are always coming in and out and passing by. So this is a beautiful invitation to explore our inner world to understand what's happening deep within. So thank you again. And before we say goodbye for today, where's the best place to find more information about you? You can find more information about me on Instagram. And that is at Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore. And Tiffany is T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E, Tate, T-A-T-E, Moore, M-O-O-R-E. And you can also find me at that same link at Facebook. It's M. Dr. Tate Moore. Okay, so I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again for your presence, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany Tate and her work, please visit on Instagram at Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore or Facebook backslash Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore backslash. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.